0: What would be the natural, logical tendency of preaching to these bones, knowing these bones are going to come back to life? The logical tendency would be to bring them back to life first, right? All right, let's bring them back to life, and then let's speak God's message to them. But that's not what takes place. The speaking brings them to life. I'm Kyle Grant, and I'm the lead pastor at Grace Bible Church. You know, biblical preaching is one of the highest priorities of our ministry, and I'm so thankful that you've chosen to listen. If you have any questions about our ministry or would like to know more about Christ, feel free to connect with us at www.gracebibleelkhart.com. Thank you again for spending these moments with us. And I pray that God transforms you by His grace through the Bible. Ezekiel chapter 37. The classic Easter text, right? It's in the Old Testament. It's one of the big prophets. It didn't take me very long when I was a a youth pastor to figure out that my office was going to get pranked. A lot. And I will say this. When it comes to youth group pranks, the girls are better at it than the guys. Because they're creative. I think my favorite youth group prank was actually Trinity and two of the other girls in our youth group. Bought a bunch of gummy bears and toothpicks. And they set up a full gummy bear battle scene in my office. And all the gummy bears had toothpick swords and some of them were ripped in half and lying on the ground. I mean, across the whole of my office was a, a violent gummy bear battle. I mean, that's a good prank. You boys and men remember as youngsters, maybe you still do youngsters, how old am I? When you were younger, playing with, you know, your little army men. And you set up your little, you know, green army men. The classic green army men. I was a G.I. Joe collector in high school. And then I quit caring about the collection, and it was just more fun to shoot them with my BB gun, right? So you set up battles, and, and you pretend. You know what I never did when I was a youngster. And what I did not do when I found the gummy bear battle in my office was wait for those gummy bears and the army men and G.I. Joe to come alive. Toy Story not reality, right? I didn't sit around and go, okay, what can I do to make these animate, sentient, Living, breathing beings. Well, this morning, the prophet of God is brought to a valley where there has been a violent battle. There have been, there's been massive casualty. And the the decomposition has such taken place that there's no corpses, decaying corpses, that is, there's just bones everywhere. Let's read the text together. I'm going to start in chapter 37, verse 1. I'm going to read down to verse 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones And as I prophesied, there was the sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy to them. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and I will raise you from graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. This morning, we're going to work through this text. We're just going to add commentary to it, and then we're going to work through the some New Testament texts to see how the theology of this passage informs our view of salvation and worship and is theologically central to the day that we celebrate today. And so let's just work through this passage together and add commentary. If you'll note with me together firstly in verses 1 through 3, the spirit and the scene. The spirit and the scene. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit. So God's Spirit is the operative member in this text. God's the member of the Trinity in this text, person of the Trinity in this text. The Spirit is going to speak through the prophet. And, and, and I'll show you in just a few minutes some of the things that's, that, that's unique to this, this particular message. But if you note with me just a few things that are important to the passage so the spirit brings ezekiel the prophet out son of man is most often referred to as as is, is ezekiel is the most often referred to old testament prophet as the son of man this is constant throughout his book that god refers to ezekiel as the son of man so ezekiel the son of man in this text you you note that in verse 4 or verse 3, is brought out by the Spirit into a valley. Now, this is not reality. This is a vision. You say, well, what valley is it? We don't don't really know. I mean, we could make some conjecture that uh, perhaps it was a valley in a battle of Edom or something like this, but we don't really know. That doesn't matter as much because it's a vision. It's not placed necessarily in reality. And so the Spirit leads him out, and he begins to give him a very, a very depressing tour. He, he walks around this valley, and he says, look at all these bones. Now, I've been on some really boring tours. But bones. But there's, some actu- there's actually some specific things that we're supposed to note here. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were a lot, very many bones. And you get the idea that they weren't actually decomposed skeletons in place. There were just random bones in no specific particular order. The anatomy wasn't lining up, just bones everywhere. And behold, they were very dry. The point's obvious. They were very dead. To use our friend Dickens' phrase, they were dead as a doornail. Not that, and then he says, not that there's anything particularly dead about a doornail, which kind of undoes your analogy if you're Dickens, but you know, whatever. They're very dead. You're supposed to get the idea. They're way past hope. Behold, they were very dry. It's a dark scene. It's a sad scene. And in fact, if you understand what's taking place here, that this is a contextual scene. That as Ezekiel begins to walk around this valley, he has in mind being overthrown. Israel ravaged, exiled, separate from God. All of these bones are emblematic of people of Israel dying on the battlefield. And he said, verse 3, can these bones live? Now, what's the logical answer to that question? If anyone else other than God asks you that, what do you say? Are you okay? Do we, do we maybe need to check if you're okay? Of course not. They're really dry bones. And I know you'll be singing the song the rest of the day, but try to get it out of your head for our purposes here. These are really dry bones. They're really dead. There's really no hope here. But Ezekiel has the right answer. You know, God. I mean, I would I mean, it you know, I would think no, but you know. Because again, it's God speaking. This is not any other speaker. So note, secondly with me, after seeing the scene, after maybe just place yourself in this situation, you're, maybe you're a fly you know, on the wall, to use our analogy or whatever, and, and you're there, you're part of the vision, you're seeing all of this, you're seeing this massive valley of bones, and, and, and God says, you know, is there any hope for them? And the prophet says, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones. Speak to them. Say to them. Hear the word of the Lord. So note secondly with me the prophecy and the promise. The prophecy and the promise. He says prophesy over them. And this is what will happen. You will see these dead bones covered with you, you'll see them literally take physical bodily form in front, of, in, in front of you. So you see the whole progression. The bones come together. They begin to be joined and the sinew begins to cover and the, the skin begins to cover. And, and I will put breath in them and, and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now, this seems like illogical order, doesn't it? This is something I want you to see. It's going to be important. What would be the natural, logical tendency of preaching to these bones, knowing these bones are going to come back to life? The logical tendency would be to bring them back to life first, right? All right, let's bring them back to life and then let's speak God's message to them. But that's not what takes place. The speaking brings them to life. You'll see why that's relevant in just a few minutes. He says throughout this text, prophesy to the bones, say to the bones, as I prophesied and as I was commanded, there was a sound, and you can hear this, 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 this rushing, this whooshing, and the bones begin to click together and rattle together bone to bone, and sinews were on them, and Flesh had come upon them and skin covered them. But now they were just corpses. They were just bodies. There's no breath yet. So what do we need for the breath? Verse 9. Then he said, prophesy to the breath. Speak to the breath. So, so he, he says, come from the four winds. Wind here is going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be emblematic of the breath. of breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So like, like the wind comes and breathes into them, life. So I prophesied he's commanded and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Now this is an amazing visual for us. Can you imagine the visual for him? Whoa! Where there was once just countless bones A great number of reminders of death that seem absolutely hopeless, very dry, now stand before him, a massive, living, breathing army. And he says, prophesy to them again. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord, I will open your graves. And raise you from your grave, so my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And so the prophecy and the promise is one of resurrection and a future. The third thing I want you to see theologically in the text is regeneration and resurrection. Regeneration and resurrection. Now first we have to understand what regeneration is. Regeneration is primarily understood as a New Testament idea. It's the idea that we are spiritually dead and brought to spiritual life. You understand that. But here, the physical image of regeneration is being presented to us. That it is the Spirit who gives spiritual life to spiritually dead bodies. And in this vision, it is the Spirit who gives physical life to physically dead bodies. And what does he immediately promise in tandem with the act of regeneration? This is very important. What is the immediate assurance with regeneration in view? Graves will be opened. If you understand the theological concept of regeneration, you cannot understand it separate from resurrection. The two go together and this vision oriented to Israel giving them a future an assurance of future hope that they will be restored the, the vision gives us a, a profound and powerful picture of what God will do through an army of Israelites physically, so he will do spiritually with a people. Give them new life through resurrection. So I want to show you two theological conclusions from this passage. Two theological conclusions from this passage that we will note within the whole of Scripture. Now, when I say conclusions, don't think I'm concluding. Conclusions means, you know, we've made logical conclusions that are relevant to our morning together. The first thing I want to show you theologically from this passage is the agent of the Spirit. The agent of the Spirit. How does the Spirit give life? How does the Spirit give life? So, again, keeping in mind the image, and and I'm going to be really careful, and I'll show you in just a few minutes, I'm going to be really careful not to draw a straight line from what God promises Israel to what God promises the church, and I'll show you that in just a few moments. But there's theological realities that God has established spiritually for those who believe. And this vision in Ezekiel provides for us such a powerful image of what God intends for those that are his people. And how, then, in this vision, in, Eze- in the book of Ezekiel, through the prophet Ezekiel, is life-given. The repeated command to prophesy. Speak the Word of God. So it is the Spirit who brings Ezekiel into the valley, and then is the Spirit who says, speak to the bones, and then he says to the bodies, speak breath, prophesy. And so in this text, it is more than obvious that the life-giving, the primary life-giving agent of the Spirit in the text, is the word of God. God speaking. And we actually see this throughout the scriptures, as you know. Question. If you were to put this passage up against Genesis 1, what would you see? He made them, and then he breathed life into them, his word if you think of christ in the new testament amongst the many miracles i think i think one of the ones that seems mysterious and actually lines up logically with the passage here because again the logical thing to do in this text is to bring the bodies back to life first and then preach to them, right? But it's the preaching that brings the bodies back to life. It's the prophesying that provides for them new life. And, and we see this something very similar in the life of Jesus in Mark chapter seven, verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went to Sidon, and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee and the region of Decapolis. And they brought him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hand on him. The man cannot... But what does Jesus do? Jesus speaks to him. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Epaphtha, that is, be opened. What is the healing agent for the man who cannot hear the word of Christ? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul says to Timothy, you are acquainted with the scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. So how and on what basis are the scriptures able to make you wise unto salvation? The Spirit gives life through the Word. You say, well, this sounds like, you know, bibliology. This doesn't sound like Easter. Okay, hold on. But pause for just a moment. I want to tell our brothers, I want to remind our church family, our brothers and sisters, and if you're not regularly a part of us, I want to tell you why we consider this to be the most important time in the service. This is why, this is why the church who holds the sound doctrine has been preaching the word for generations because God gives life through his word. Prophesy unto them and give them life. My friend, this morning, you've come because today is the day that we acknowledge as resurrection day. And I'm so thankful that you're with us. I also know something about Easter. We get a certain kind of Christian on Easter. I call them CEO Christians. Christmas and Easter only. And my friend, I'm thankful you're with us. But listen to the word of the Lord. You are not a good person that God needs to make better. You are not even a bad person that God needs to make good. You are a dead person that God, by His Spirit, through the Word, needs to make alive. And so is I. And so is every one of these brothers and sisters who claims the name of Christ. A dead person. Whom God, through His Word, has given life. Well, how is that life even possible? That's a logical question. Because this is a physical image with spiritual assurance and spiritual promises, future orientation. You may be with us this morning, and, and I just called you and reminded you that actually the Bible says that you're not a good person, that, or a bad person God wants to make good. You're a, a dead person that needs to be made alive, and you're wondering, I don't even know how to do that. I, I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know how that's possible. I, I'm just here because I think I'm supposed to be, and, and I'm hoping God's happy with me on Easter, and so if I come on, come to church every once in a while on Easter, so, so he'll let me in. Well, I want to show you something from this passage in light of the rest of the Scriptures. So the agent of the Spirit in the text is the Word. The second thing I want to show you in light of the rest of the New Testament, the rest of the Word, is the accomplishment of the Spirit in the text. The accomplishment of the Spirit. Resurrection through regeneration. Resurrection through regeneration. Now, in Ezekiel 37, it is the raising of Israel. It is the restoration of Israel. Therefore, prophesy, again, there it is, say to them, thus says the Lord, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. You say that sounds just like, you know, it's for them and this passage is for them, the, the, the specific assurance is for them, but what God assures for them physically in this text, He has done theologically and spiritually for those who place their faith alone in Christ and, and are welcomed through the adoption of the Spirit into the family of God. There is fulfillment for Israel in this text. Just read Ezra and Nehemiah. And and they're they're led back into their home, which was destroyed by Babylon. And and they desire to rebuild it. They're brought out of exile. So, So this promise is assured that they'll be restored. It's fulfilled that they'll be restored. But listen. What does Peter mean? In First Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen race. He's speaking to the church. New Testament, Gentiles and Jews. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Listen to this. We love verse nine. Verse ten is so important. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You, the church, you were not unified to Him. You were separate from Him. Unbelievers in their sin are separate from God. They're dead. They need to be made alive so they can be brought into the family. You were not a people. But now you are God's people. By the way, all the promises in verse 9, possession, royal priesthood, these are the first covenantal promises given to Israel. So what God has done physically in Israel is illustrated for us spiritually in Ezekiel 37. Say, well, how is this possible? I'm glad you asked. How can dead bones live? The word of the Lord. Well, then what do we have to listen to? What do we have to say? What is the content of the word of the Lord? How can you, a dead person in sin, be brought alive to Christ? Which seems as miraculous and confounding as dead bones being brought to physical life. How? Matthew 27. The next day after Christ's death that is the day of preparation the chiefs and chief priests and Pharisees gathered before pilate and said sir we remember the, how that impostor said that while he was still alive after 3 days i will rise therefore the order therefore order the tomb to be made secure until the third day lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead or the last fraud will be worse than the first And Pilate said to them, you have your guard soldiers go and make it as secure as you can. So they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing it with a stone and setting a guard. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of them, the guards trembled and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen As he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you in Galilee and there you will see him. See, I have told you. How is it possible for bones to come to life How is it possible for sinners to come to life? The life-giving spirit. Remember what I read you in 1 Peter? The covenant promises given now to those who believe through Christ were not a people, but now you are. Well, what do we have to believe? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to His great mercy. Listen, He has caused us to be born again. Regeneration to a living hope through resurrection. What God did to dead bones in the valley. He has done In the soul of the believer. Spoken and given life. He has caused us to be born again. How can a man be born again? What is this mystery that you speak of? Says the Pharisee Nicodemus. Jesus says these are heavenly things. You must believe. And the Spirit will give life. What must you believe? The Christ died and confessed with your mouth that he was raised. You will be saved. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, Romans 8, the spirit is life, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He will also give life to your mortal bodies. It's the Son of God conceived by the Spirit. Remember? The message of the angel to Mary. The Spirit will conceive in you. The Spirit originates the life of the Son of God physically. And the Spirit who conceived Christ raises Christ. And the Spirit who speaks from the Word to you by the message of Scripture calls you to life and as the body of Jesus lay in the tomb, dead, lifeless, like bones past hope. Dawn, the third day. Spirit, same New Testament word as wind, blows in a cave. And a blood covered eyelid twitches. And a heart beats. And lungs fill with air. And Jesus lives again by the power of the Spirit. And that Spirit has called us by the beckoning of the Father through the Word to believe. as Jesus was incarnated to die in the flesh, we are with him resurrected to live in the spirit. In Romans 6, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And as the spirit gives life to Christ, so the spirit gives life to dead sinners. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in life like His. For we know that the old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be slave to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. How will these bones live? Speak a message that the Spirit, speak a message and the Spirit will give life. How will these sinners live? Speak a message that the Spirit gives life Accomplished the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son. And there is no salvation in any other name which is named. It is finished. Ruin entered paradise through the first created Son. Rescue begged the sacrifice of a true and willing one. Perfection entered ruin as the spirit conceived son, a lamb to be slain again. Good news, death will be undone. Drops of crimson mark the path. Perfection bears a cursed load. Love will meet almighty wrath. One ends his terrible road. The slain one enters the tomb. The once dead loose their bonds. Perfection stands to breathe too. The breathing burst into song. Redeemed, enter paradise, welcomed as daughter and son, enjoying the sacrifice with him. Home, our perfection. How do the dead stand? The same way that Christ stood. Regeneration through the resurrection. And what you and I, brother, sister, family, celebrate today is not bright colors, frivolity, It's remembrance that we were dead and that Christ died for us. And having been united with Him in a death like His, we're given life like His. You and I, dear brother, dear sister, stand together with the Son. Because of the work of the Spirit and the plan of God and the obedience of Christ. Resurrection Day is a day centered around Jesus Christ acknowledging the work of the Spirit and pouring out our praise knowing we are only worthy of death. Christ has taken us taken it for us. We had no right to life, but the Spirit has provided it in Christ to us. And as we have been given physical breath in this age, by the creating work of the speaking of God, so we are given eternal breath through the speaking of God by His Spirit to raise dead sinners to life.